live and local every weekday with 10,000 watts of total power on WKKX and WVLY. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Welcome, back. welcome, 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 welcome. Glad you've come back. Hope you didn't go away. It's round number two, Watchdog Morning Show for a Monday. It's 810, 10 minutes after the hour. We're looking at 43 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. Uh, we're looking at 45 degrees. I'm sorry, 45 at the Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. 43 degrees in at the Highlands. 44. I'm screwing this up. Can we just take a breath? And hold on. Welcome back. Welcome back to hour number two of the Watchdog Morning Show. It's 810, 10 minutes after the hour. We're looking at 45 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 43 at the Highlands, 44 in Elm Grove, 45 degrees at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Mixture of sun and clouds today will be in the mid-50s for the day today. Sunny for a couple of days after that, but temperatures move up just a degree or two every day this week. We might get up to 70 by the end of the weekend. Um, <laughs> I have a ring doorbell. Do you have a ring doorbell? I do not. I don't even have a doorbell. Okay. <laughs> you don't be bothered. <laughs> you better knock when you come to my house. We have a ring doorbell. Um, and, I mean, I can see if somebody's coming up my front steps. I uh, get to know when Teddy's coming. A little, little you know, two-second advance notice if he's walking up the steps. Or uh, if cars go by, if we're out of the area out of the house, I can tell if the mailman has come. You know, I get an alert that's been motioned at my door front, and I look up. It's the mailman. Um, but so far, what I have not seen, Bob, I have not found on my ring doorbell. Little green men. Huh. No flying saucers. I heard there's a reward. You can make some money out there. One huh? million dollars if your ring doorbell catches actual footage of aliens. Now, I don't understand why you only have until November 3rd to do this. Do they, is there something they no, no, that we don't know? The aliens are coming between now and the 3rd? Well, I know this. It's worth million, It's worth more than a million bucks, pal. If an alien comes knocking on your door and you get a picture of that. <laughs> and it would, if it's a ring doorbell, it would be, because of the way ring doorbells work, they're not, your ring doorbell isn't looking up in the sky. So it would only be if like they were... Come knocking on your, at your door, yeah, yes. Take me to your leader. So, I don't know. The million-dollar search for extraterrestrials, they're calling it, you have until November the 3rd to submit it. Um, if you send in legitimate footage of aliens off your ring doorbell, you'll get $50,000 a year for the next two decades. All right. They, um, they will look, first of all, to make sure it's not fake, not AI-generated, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, anyways, it has to be filmed on your ring camera. I guess... Is it a Halloween? Pro- I guess it's probably a Halloween promotion, right? That's probably the idea. And that's a per- that's a pretty safe bet. That that million dollars isn't going to go anywhere if they even have the million dollars, Howard. You don't well see. They're giving out five hundred dollar gift cards for quote the most creative submissions, which means people okay. who you know put the you know done some goofy stuff. That's good marketing. It's it's good we're marketing. talking about it here, aren't we? And that's why it's uh, ABC News. I think was talking about it's it. It's absolutely correct. Eight twelve in the morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. I don't think Brad either agreed with me or understood what I was saying about my feelings about Governor Justice. Politics aside, whether you're going to vote for him, whether you think he's bad, whether you're going to, whether you're a supporter of his, on a human level, it's got to be difficult to have your personal finances, horribly bad personal finances, 
under the microscope every single day, and people in the media are talking about it every single day. Your response, Governor Justice's response to they're coming to take his chopper, uh, that the uh, Mechtel company out of Russia uh, is going to seize a helicopter uh, because they're going to take that in exchange for some money they're owed. Governor Justice's response is, why, you guys don't, why, we owe way more money than that. We owe, we owe so many other people so much more money that you, we got to give more money to other people. I mean, his answer is, we are so badly in debt that you guys can't even get that because we got to give that to other people. I mean, that's, on a human level, I feel sorry for him. Well, I, I, I'm not there, Howard. I, I, I'm really not. I mean, uh, you've been souring on him lately. I have. You know, a couple months ago, uh, well, it's more than that. Beginning of summer when that the, that boat came up, uh, you know, where he battled heads with uh, the Republican bigwigs in the state. Uh, I, I thought he was great. And I thought, man, look at JJ out there working it. You know, he's uh, he's really taking a stand on this. And uh, I kind of got in his corner, and then he, he would phone in and, uh, you know, sounded like, man, okay. And then I got caught up in the baby dog thing, just like everybody else in this state. But lately, I have went the other way because enough is enough. And, Howard, I don't see any traction. We've both known. We've both felt financial hardships. And you try your best to work your way out of it. You're trying to see light at the end of the tunnel. For God's sakes, I have been there. With him, I don't hear any light at the tunnel. I certainly don't that's, see any light at the tunnel. I don't hear anybody talking about light at the tunnel. And that's fine. That's none of my business. But on a selfish note, what I worry about more than anything, and we got a year to go, I worry about Alex Mooney. How is this going to help him in the primary? Well, I mean, the the, the cumul- Well, you're a good example. You, you have been su- again. We got to be careful. Bob and I both have to be careful of saying we're supporters of justice, but it's justice versus Mooney. We're saying justice is a much better guy. Uh, Bob, you're a good example, though. You have seen your your support dwindle a little bit. Your great um, whatever the word I want to use to support again, I guess, uh, diminish a bit. And a lot of it has to do with this financial business. I mean, and I said, I'm not saying anything about the political side of things. I'm not saying whether it makes me want to vote for him, not vote for him. I'm just saying, as you pointed out, Bob, I've had financial problems. Hey, I filed bankruptcy at one point. I didn't bring it to the radio station. I didn't want it to be public. It was embarrassing to me. I went through it, dealt with it, and all was well in the end. And, you know, life went on and I made lots of money in the end. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I didn't, so I guess I'm just thinking about how difficult it has to be for a guy like Jim Justice, who once was a billionaire, to now be saying when they're coming to get his chopper, well, you know, really there are a lot of other people who deserve that chopper before you, because I got $800 million worth of debt other people got to get. It's purely a personal thing, a personal level, human level that, uh, that, uh, that I get that. But I am afraid, I am afraid, I don't know if afraid is the right word, I suspect it's going to be every week something new is going to be cropping up on the financial front. It is. And to me, the the biggest red flag early in this is when that property was going to be forfeited for back taxes. And he didn't do anything about it. You know, he didn't go and get money to take care of that, to call off the sale. And okay, I don't care what it was. He It had to be worth something, and he let it go. And I thought, why in the world would he do that, Howard? And the logic answer was he didn't have the money. And if you don't have the money to redeem those properties, then, man, you are in way, way over your head. And the biggest winner on this 
is not Alex Mooney, I don't think, which is, believe me, this is helping him. It's Joe Manchin. Because if J.J., Governor Justice, can survive this, and he beats Mooney in the primary, and let's say there's a lot up in the air. Let's say he goes head-to-head with Manchin. This hurts him, man. It really, really hurts him. It does make him more vulnerable. It no hurts question him about because it. Manchin's going to point the finger at him in every freaking direction. Howard. Exactly. 817 Watchdog Morning Show. We will continue talking with the governor probably a little bit later on uh, in uh, this show today. Also, coming up next hour, more talk about the deer hunt. Up at Ogilvy, as we had some more things. You were happening. calling it. What was you calling it last week? Call, dear call. It's a call, dear call. Not a call like hello, dear. No, it's no, a the hunt. dear call. The deer hunt at Ogilvy. Uh, some uh, charge and ch- counter charge over the weekend. But first, horrific Hamas attack in Israel this weekend. We'll talk about that and also. Uh, what's going to happen with the U.S. House, which seems to be in total disarray after Kevin McCarthy loses his speakership? Former Congressman Bob Ney checks in with us on that next. How much could a cyber attack cost your business? The costs stemming from a cyber attack can vary tremendously, but are extremely significant. Recent studies have shown that the average cost of a data breach to small business can range from $120,000 to $1.2 million. In addition to financial loss, companies also suffer downtime, lost opportunities, and data recovery expenses that can all quickly add up. Could your organization survive a cyber incident? If you are unsure if you are doing enough to protect your data, reputation, and dollars from cyber criminals, contact the team at Omni Strategic Technologies today. Omni has the right tools and support to help keep your business protected. Call 304-242-7600 and schedule your free consultation today or visit omniperforms.com. Omni Strategic Technologies, the only cybersecurity and advisory firm that the watchdog trusts. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's only Tuesday, and the weekend feels so far away. To bring yourself a little closer, spice up day two of your week with the Pine Room on the Watchdog, where you'll do much more than just listen, like jumping in the time machine to visit historical events, celebrate birthdays, weddings, and even honor those no longer with us, playing games like Two Lies and a Florida Guy, Song Sluice, and more. From the happenings in space to local news, join the Pine Room right here on the Watchdog, Tuesdays from 12 to 3. Broadcasting from the Ohio Valley, talking about the Ohio Valley. We're live and local. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Monday morning bumper music's every Monday morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. It's 820 after the hour. 45 at the airport, 43 at the Highlands, 44 in Elm Grove, and 45 degrees here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Former Congressman Bob Ney here to weigh in on a couple of issues. Uh, 
Uh, good morning, sir. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Howard. How are you? Good. Uh, you're you're not sitting at home in the uh, uh, middle of Ohio right now, right? Well, if I was, the cell phone service wouldn't be as good <laughs> as it is in India. That's for sure. <laughs> you're you're doing some traveling, huh? Yeah, I was over in Kashmir, as you know, and uh, when I was in Kashmir, of course, the State Department warned you, don't go there, you know, risking your life. And and there's nothing wrong with going to Kashmir. So, and, and, and this is an old hippie thing. Remember the song Kashmir by Led Zeppelin? Yeah. Okay. It's been on my bucket list. I went to Kashmir. There you go. You went to Kashmir. Uh, Bob Bob had a question for you. Bob, you want to ask him your question? Bob yeah. Slider? Okay. I don't have a question. Howard. What are you, you talking I about? I thought you had a question for it. That would have been a silly question. Uh, okay. I don't have no question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just want to know if there were Kashmir sweaters over there. Yes. You get that joke? Are. No cashmere sweaters, right? Yeah, yeah they, I got it. If they were they sweaters from Pashman, yeah, but yeah, they're cashmere. Before yeah. I get to the serious stuff, uh, why were you? I mean, what you just wanted to go? I have seriously since Led Zeppelin days of the mid seventies. They had that song Cashmere, very you know intense song. They wrote that on the road to Morocco, and I've always liked that song. And when I traveled to India, all the Kashmiri friends of mine, who are fantastic merchants by the way, and they sell a lot of products in part of India, and they said you got to go to Kashmir, and it's the most militarized zone per capita in the world by the way, because there was trouble there in 2019. Pakistan would like to have it. Pakistan, China, and India are all up there, you know, mm -hmm. in the Kashmir region. So I just always wanted to go, and all of a sudden there was a tour package, and it was uh, $220, seven days food. Wait a minute, what? Room, tra listen, transportation and, and the driver and the car Holy and man. the gas. Right, so I went. That's like a big lunch and for stayed me. stayed on a houseboat. <laughs> right, stayed on a houseboat. Wow. So, well, you're used to staying on houseboats, so that was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, no, it was when you did my debate years ago. My opponent said the yacht. It's oh, it's a yacht. That's right. That's right. They said and you, you, and you remember what I did because I'm so snarky. I pulled up a picture and went, "Here's his Florida mansion, which was a little condo <laughs> down in Fort Lauderdale." I did see your. I saw your yacht once or twice, and and uh, yeah, not, yes, yes, not quite so big. Hey, Bob, uh, a couple of things. I, I I brought you on to talk about the speakership in the House, and I will get to that in a minute or two. But uh, mm -hmm. you are quite familiar with the Middle East. Uh, sure. This this attack by Hamas on Israel to me seems. Well, a couple of things. First of all, it seems horrific. Secondly, I think it's frightening for where this could lead. What are your thoughts on what's happening over there right now in Israel? Well, ditto to both. This is the largest attack in, you know, 50 years and concentrated effort. And this is, I think, what they're going to find out. The reason they were able to do this, I mean, I've, I've been to Israel, they have fences and alarms and this and that, you know. They were able to do it because... They communicated, I think, the good old-fashioned way without electronics is what they did. They planned this that way. Mm -hmm. So it went around the, you know, the intel sources. But the way they did this and the horrific nature of it, I mean, they just so brutal. And then here's the problem, of course. Where are they at? If you take Gaza Strip, which there are two and a half million people there, they can't go anywhere because they're bound, you know, not allowed to go, and you look at it it's five miles wide it's twice the size of dc you got two and a half million people in there so hamas is going to go into apartment buildings 
bunkers, et cetera. So taking them out is going to be brutal. I mean, people right now are saying, you know, go get them. But taking them out is going to cause a lot of controversy, not only in the United States and around the world, but it's going to cause controversy in Israel. They're already, you know, picking at Netanyahu because he, in fact, you know, was trying to change the judicial system, and then people were angry and they weren't reporting the military duty. All these things are going to crop up, just like the United States now. You know, is it Biden's fault? Um, oh, by the way, um, Pence is blaming the Republicans, <laughs> his opponents. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so, but, the, I, you know, I'm thinking in terms of, um, I'm comparing to American politics, it actually could be a rallying cry for Netanyahu. Uh, again, when your country is attacked in such a brutal way, mm-hmm. there, even though Netanyahu's had a lot of critics for his far-right approach to things, uh, this may solidify support around him, as it did around Bush after oh. 9-11. No question about it. This For Netanyahu, the way he handles it's going to be important, and I think he's going to handle it, you know, obviously, and must handle it aggressively, because this is the I mean, this is one of the most horrific things that I you know that I think we've ever seen in the Mideast. I mean, you think there's some bad things that go on over there, but this one is just it's terrible. So I think Netanyahu will have people rally running because this is no time to change leadership. As you know, Israel is uh, it has a system where they pick a prime minister and they can tomorrow morning say we're dissolving the government, and I, I don't see that happening. It, they will rally around Netanyahu. And the my concern is, where does this go? Um, Netanyahu and his defense minister have both said that they intend to, uh, I, I don't know what the phrase is, I saw the phrase this morning, retaliate with full vengeance or something of that yeah. nature. Um, yeah. my, my fear is, where does this go? Where does it end? And does it end with Hamas or does it stay within? Let me phrase it that way. Does it stay between well, Hamas yeah. and Israel or does this grow and become a regional threat? I think it could potentially be a regional threat because here's the here's the problem. Israel basically left the occupied territory, you know, quite a few years ago. And the Palestinian Authority, you know, the old Yasser Arafat, PLO, et cetera, is headed up by an 80-some-year-old person, you know, uh, not that our government doesn't have 80-some-year-old people, but it's headed up by an 87-year-old guy, and they have no power, and Hamas stepped in and just said, we're running the show, and they're brutal. I mean, look what they've done. And no matter the condition of the occupied territory, which is not a good condition, Nothing but nothing can justify what on earth Hamas did, and they're backed by the Iranians. So Netanyahu has no recourse but to go in. But I will tell you this, might as well brace, <laughs> brace ourselves because you know, when this happens, just as there were innocent Israelis, totally innocent Israelis, butchered and slaughtered, there's going to be innocent Palestinians yes. killed. As this happens, and that's what will happen. And then uh, they still have to look somewhere along the line of how to try to get a solution to things. But nothing that has been done in the occupied territory, as tough as it is to live there, has warranted this attack. And remember, we got to keep this in mind. A lot of Palestinians didn't want this to happen. Well, Hamas is a bit of a, I don't know if rogue group is quite the right word to use, but yeah. they, they are not necessarily representative mm-hmm. of the, of the sure. quote, the Palestinian people. I right. was amazed at the number of people. I should. I don't know why I read social media. I was amazed at the number of people uh-huh. on Twitter, X, I guess they call it now, uh, who were trying to defend the attack uh, by Hamas, explaining that the Palestinians have been, uh, you know, uh, under the control of the Israelis for far too long. The Israelis have not treated them well. 
all of which may not be true. I, I don't even care. The response by Hamas is just uh, out of proportion. I mean, complete, whether they have oh. legitimate gripes or not, it's out of proportion. Absolutely. Nothing justified. Whatever has happened in Gaza Strip, and there's not two-state solution or whatever has happened in the Gaza Strip, and no matter how many people are crammed in there and they can't leave them, the whole nine yards, nothing justifies what on earth this group of maniacs did to all these innocent people, and and it, it was you know brutal and displaying the bodies on trucks. And I mean, just the most brutal thing I think we've seen in decades. And uh, it, it was with a extreme you know vengeance they did it. So yes, nothing that is a current condition for the Gaza Strip justified what these maniacs did. You know, I I I think it's pretty clear that it's if this grows or if this continues. At some point, in some way, your old friends from Iran will probably be putting their nose into the picture, right? Well, they have already. And, and here's the sad part about Iran, I think, is that we had a nuclear deal, and I know that's all controversial, but Obama did a nuclear deal. The centrifuges were rolled back. The first year Trump was president, his secretary of state said, don't touch the deal, it's a good deal. That secretary of state gets fired, and then the National Security Advisory brings in John Bolton, the maniac, and <laughs> Pompeo, secretary of state. And the end result is, that I cancel that deal. You know, the Iranians will be in our in our hands. The next thing you know, the moderates were in Iran were told, go away, look what you did. And then the psychos took over the government. I mean, the, the clerics who live in the 12th century took over the government. So the Iranians that, you know, could make this turn around – and go away from Hamas, were booted out of their own uh, presidency over there. Horrible situation. We'll be following it here, Bad. and um, and um, it's it's going to be amazing. Now, Bob, I have never asked you to do this. I, I don't know what your plans well, are. Can I ask you to hang on while I do a quick news break? Because I really want to talk about the Okay, because I want to talk about the U.S. Yes. House, Kevin McCarthy. Absolutely. I'm, Sp- I'm here. Speaker yeah. Donald Trump. Oh, my God. Uh, and <laughs> anything else. So if you don't mind sticking around <laughs> okay. while I do a quick news I'm break, here. then we'll continue yep. the conversation. Former Congressman Alrighty. Bob Nay with us here. Watchdog Morning Show. It's 831, 29 till the hour. Good morning, I'm Rebecca Little with your 7 News headlines for this Monday, October 9th. More than two days after Palestinian militants launched a surprise attack, Israeli soldiers continue to battle Hamas forces in the streets of southern Israel. It was the deadliest day in decades in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Israeli officials confirmed that at least 600 Israeli civilians and members of the military died since the attack. The Gaza Ministry of Health said at least 370 Palestinians have died. A U.S. official says preliminary reports indicate at least four American citizens were killed in the strikes against Israel. And police in White Township, Pennsylvania, received a call about excessive noise at the Chevy Chase Community Center just over a mile from Indiana University of Pennsylvania around midnight. Saturday night. They heard multiple gunshots when they arrived. Nine victims have been identified. One is dead and at least one is in critical condition. Police identified the victims as six males and three females, all ranging in age from 18 to 23. A reward is being offered for information leading to the capture of the shooter or the shooters. And the federal government is still urging the public to adopt more sustainable forms of transportation, such as electric vehicles. While EVs have risen in popularity, they still tend to be very expensive. We spoke to Ohio Republican Senator J.D. Vance, who has been vocal in his opposition to credits 
toured AVs. He notes that a huge part of the manufacturing base for EVs remains China, our biggest geopolitical rival. He says this focus on EVs hurts Americans working in the automotive industry and strengthens our enemy. And 7 News is your local election headquarters. And if you're an Ohio voter, today is the last day to register to vote or update your registration for November's general election. The deadline is tomorrow. There are two statewide issues on the ballot. Issue 1, which is the Reproductive Rights Amendment, and Issue 2, which would legalize recreational marijuana for adults 21 years and older. That was a look at your headlines for this Monday, October 9th. I'm Rebecca Little. Have a great day, everybody. It's a sad day in the world of Mountaineer sports. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Caridi, and that story is coming up on today's Mountaineer Report, brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. Hello, and welcome to The Kroger Show. At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. Best of all, you'll know when items in your cart have a coupon, so you never miss a deal. So whether you're a delivery lover, picker-upper, or you shop in-store, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. At Kroger, we know the minute a tomato is picked, the fresh timer starts. The sooner we get our produce to you, the fresher it is. That's why we've completely overhauled our process to shorten the time from harvest to home, giving you more time to enjoy your tasty tomatoes, strawberries, and salads. So whether you're shopping in-store, picking up, or prefer delivery, we're committed to bringing you the freshest produce possible. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's a sad day for Mountaineer Nation. Dale Wolfley passed away over the weekend in his sleep. He was just 56 years old. Dale embodied Mountaineer spirit as a player, staff member, and as a broadcaster. His energy and passion for everything WVU was his calling card. He arrived in Morgantown in the fall of 1987, but his name was already known. His middle brother, Ron, was a standout fullback for Don Nealon, who would later become a pro bowler in the NFL and a member of WVU's Sports Hall of Fame. His oldest brother, Craig, starred at Syracuse and then spent the majority of his NFL career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And despite the expectations that came with being a Wolfley, Dale lived up to the challenge, and then some. Like his brother, Ron, he became a team captain for the Mountaineers, was a member of the 1988 squad that finished undefeated. He ended his career in 1990, earning the John Russell Award given each year to West Virginia's best lineman. When football was over, Dell had a colorful assortment of adventures, including that of a professional wrestler and a tour manager for major recording artists, including Prince. But athletics and football never left him. He was a successful junior college coach in Arizona before returning to West Virginia as a staff member for Bill Stewart and Dana Holgerson. His love of the game eventually led him here to the Mountaineer Sports Network, where he served as a radio and television personality. No matter the subject, Dale's love was instantly identifiable, and now he's gone. It's a sad day to be a Mountaineer. That is today's Mountaineer Report, brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. I'm Tony Caridi on the Mountaineer Sports Network from Learfield.
The Wheeling Nailers Big Six Game Plan. It's a great deal for your entertainment dollars. Starting at just $16 per ticket, the Big Six Game Plan lets you lock in the biggest games and best promotions all season, like opening night with Chainsaw Juggler, Mad Chad, Wizards and Wands, Penguins Night, and more. The best promotions, the best seats, and the best price. The Big Six Game Plan. Get tickets at wheelingnailers.com or call 304-234-GOLD. Conversations you care about with people you know. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on WKKX and WVLY. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. The alarm clock tingling, ringing in my head. I woke up dog tired, beat down half dead. That's every morning. Trying to recover from another wild weekend. It wasn't a wild weekend. It's just uh, the alarm clock goes off, and I just I try to try my best to get up and get moving. Once I once my feet hit the floor, it takes a while for my feet to hit the floor. Once my feet hit the floor, I'm usually reasonably awake. But that alarm goes off, and it's like, oh no, my God, cannot be. It just can't be. But there I am, up and at him. Because I know I'm an, I have a date with destiny. No, it's not being here on the radio. It's picking up slider in the morning. <laughs> That's the important thing. 8.38.22 to the hour. Uh, we'll talk about the Ogilvy deer call, kill, hunt uh, coming up in the next hour of the show. A little bit more on the Jim Justice thing. Got a couple of texts coming in on the Frio Stack Office Service text line about that. And uh, you were a bit surprised to hear about uh, Dale Wolfley. Dale? Dale Wolfley, right? Yeah, I had uh, no idea, Howard. I was certainly included that in my uh, sports report. But uh, Tony did a nice uh, tribute to him there. He did. He could really feel it. In the Morning Mountaineer report. Former Congressman Bob Ney is with us. We talked in the last segment about the Hamas attack in Israel, which is the, the defining news of the morning this morning. But I really asked Bob to come in because he can bring probably a pretty good perspective to this whole well, quite frankly, disorganized GOP in the U.S. House. Kevin McCarthy gambled and lost his speakership, and uh, and now everything is in. It's not at a stand. What well, is it? A standstill, Bob? But it's it's just everything is up in the air. What's going to happen next? Well, Howard, as you know, I was there when Newt Gingrich was told, you know, we want you to go. And if he lost five votes, you know, he was on his way out. The ringleader was Lindsey Graham, who at one time was, you know, like tied to Newt Gingrich's arm. And then all of a sudden he turned on Newt. But the difference. Lindsey has, Lindsay has a habit of that, by the way. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Remember, he called Trump all kinds of names during the debates. And then he. <laughs> right. uh, but Lindsey was the ringleader. And I remember you know, Newt called me in St. Clairsville. And, and uh, I remember the rest was history. And, and I said, you going to fight it? And he said, well, if, if I've lost five, I've lost five. But it was it happened after the election. Right. The, this crew, these eight, you know, they had no alternative. They couldn't win their own candidate in the first place. Matt Gates is just Hollywood, you know, on steroids. I think the guy wants to run for governor or something after DeSantis. And I think Gingrich put it right. These people just were absolutely in their own vested interests on this. Because you have to stop for a second. What did McCarthy, and I've got friends say, oh, good, he got, he got put out. And I say, well, what did he do? What did he do? Oh, he was talking about a deal with the with the Democrats that he would pick up eight or ten Democrat votes, eight or ten, and 
and save the Republicans from themselves of not shutting down the government because the shutting down the government doesn't balance the budget and it wasn't balanced under Trump and it's not balanced under Biden and it wasn't balanced under Obama. You know, we can go back through history. Uh, but they threw him out and they did it in the middle you know, of, the, of the season, as I guess you could say. And if they don't act to, for example, first of all, get rid of the rule about one person every single day can throw a speaker out. Get rid of that, first of all. That's, that was asinine, and McCarthy should never have done that anyway to get the speakership. You know, that was gone too far. But the problem they've got now is they've got to choose between two, Scalise or Jim Jordan, and what deal they've got to make before the vote happens in the private caucus on Thursday or Wednesday Here's the deal. This is real simple to solve this, Howard. The deal they make is this. Whoever gets the most votes, Scalise or Jordan, in the privacy of the caucus, before they take the vote, before it goes the, the winner floor. gets yeah. – before it goes to the floor, before it goes out of that room, everybody in that room agrees that no matter who wins, everybody supports them because the majority of the caucus, which is what should have happened with McCarthy, majority of the caucus <laughs> wants it. If they don't do that, by the way, because right now, here's how I look at the Republican House right now. It is in intensive care. It's on life support. The plug is halfway out of the socket to the ventilator. And I think that's a fair analogy. And the problem with your scenario is I don't know that you get the Matt Gates and the other members of that far-right caucus to agree to accept whoever is voted in the caucus. I mean, that gang feels that they have a right to control things their way. And we saw that in the first speaker vote to put McCarthy in there. So I'm not sure you're going to get a consensus that um, that will all stand behind Jim Jordan or will all stand behind Stephen Scalise, depending on who's voted. I don't think you'll get the consensus. Well, they may not. And look, a lot of these people have voted for these continuing resolutions. A lot of these people have done nothing to balance the nation's budget. In fact, you know, I could slam the Republicans and the Democrats, all of them, for this, you know, of what they've done. But Matt Gates and the crew better realize something, that if this is not solved this week, I, I, I'm guaranteeing if they don't like, you know, what the Republicans have done so far, then can you say Speaker Jeffries? Because well, that's what's going to happen in 2024. The Democrats will, will take the House. And then then what are they going to say to their constituents? Well, you know, I, I thought the Democrats could do a better job. They think in their minds the Republicans can. But if they don't, <laughs> they don't watch this, I'm telling you, this is the end of them. Well, the GOP in the House it certainly seems to be in complete disarray. I mean, you have... You have that radical, I call them radical, you have the far-right group, the Matt Gates type. Mm-hmm. You've got others that have some of their own agenda as well. There seems to be a, a, just a lot of, uh, everything's up in the air. Everything's up in the air. And then you get this idea, that, what about this idea that Donald Trump could be speaker? And mm-hmm. uh, here, <laughs> and I've said just to my friends, they get very angry at me. If you want to end the Republican Party as we know it, including for the 2024 election. Because, look, President Biden is so weak. Donald Trump's got 90 indictments, and he's still neck and neck with him. But if you put Trump as speaker, you mean the plurality of the Republicans. If they put him as speaker of the House, there is an actual House you have to run. And then there's the speaker's staff, and then here's his campaign staff. And you want don't worry about the Democrats. The Republicans will be, you know, walking down the halls with machetes going after each other. It 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 would be absolutely bizarre. And I couldn't write a script like this. It would be beyond bizarre. And Trump, 
you know, can't, he won't be in there to run the house any every day anyway. So, look, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a few a few people did this to, you know, get on his good side is what they did. And he has said he would take the job temporarily just for the good of the country. But I think your point is well made that, look, Speaker wow. of the House requires work. It's not it's not a figurehead. I think some people think it's a figurehead. It actually requires work. Um, so and, and it requires consensus, which is not something Trump is able to build, even if he were to decide to to to. Uh, um, to work well, and, and and his campaign staff would have a collision with the Republican speaker staff. So, you know, I'm just saying when it comes to Trump, if if you like Trump, if they're listening to the show and you really, really, really like him, you just have to imagine him spending 90 days in the speaker's office and watching this, you know, circular firing squad of his campaign staff just versus the Republican speaker staff. It, that in itself would be a show. You you know the, the ins and outs of the House, and you know the rules and regulations and so on. I read somewhere, tell me if I'm right about this, that actually Trump wouldn't be eligible because he does have felony indictments pending. Is is that true? Well, yes, it's technically true. He has felony indictments pending that if, if found guilty, they would exceed two years. If you now, if you get indicted while you're in the House and under the House rules, you have you're looking at potentially more than two years conviction. If it's less than two, then this doesn't apply. Then you cannot be in leadership. You have to instantly step out. So technically, in order to make Trump the speaker, which he can be because he doesn't have to be a member, but in order to make him the speaker, they have to revoke that rule. So first, they got to get the vote to revoke that rule. Now, what happens then? Moderate Republicans are going to be on the line to vote to you know change a rule they all voted for when it came to somebody getting a an indictment. So you think that the idea this Trump for speaker thing is really just something that we talk show hosts are going to talk about and make some headlines and will eventually Absolutely. just 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 go away. All and, right, and I promise you his top campaign people are telling him, "Hey, let him talk about this, but you know we're not going to do it." Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, both uh, both uh, to the right. right, far to the right. Uh, but Jim Jordan has, uh, I think, probably a lot more public negatives in the general public than Scalise does. Scalise a little bit less known than Jim Jordan. Uh, who would? Let me ask two questions. Who do you think of those two would get the nomination or get the yeah get the nomination? I guess you call it. Uh, or oh, and who do you think would be the better speaker if it's those if, if those are the only two? I think uh, I can answer this question with the same answer twice. I believe Scalise is going to get it, unless they get to the point where, well, Scalise won the caucus, but we're not going to support you. Now, then he doesn't get it. Scalise is going to beat Jordan in the caucus, I believe. That's what I believe. And as far as running the House, Scalise would be in better position to run the House than Jordan, because Scalise, yeah, he's a, you know, he's aggressive, he's a conservative, but he hasn't been in that forefront uh, to be the battle king, you know, to be the bomb thrower, the grenade thrower, which Jordan has. And so people can give Jordan credit for that. But Scalise, I think, is a, is a yes to both. I think, one, he can beat Jordan in the caucus. And two, I think he probably would run the House um, a little bit more smoother. Not a lot, but a little bit. <laughs> and uh, probably Jordan have to put on a coat and tie, too. Yeah, well, he, he, he does. Now, well, let, well, let me defend him for He will still be better dressed than uh, Fetterman. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. I get, <laughs> I get you there. Uh, is there any. Handles, be, I'm better dressed than Fetterman right now. Is there anybody else out there that could crop up between now and the time the caucus meets? 
Well, there could have been. There could have been, you know, a couple of people in the caucus, but it's over with now. I mean, I mean, if a third person comes up, they're not going to have any traction. This is a Jordan or Scalise. Look, they've got to have the vote, what, Thursday in the caucus? I mean, they're running out of time. And if this extends and this goes to 15 rounds, wow, the Republicans are really, oh. gonna, you know, my dad used to say, do something even if it's wrong. Well, they've got to do something this week. I don't <laughs> care what it is. They've got to settle this. If it would go to another multi-round voting like it did with McCarthy, it would just be, it would be a, oh, a, a disaster. Uh, disaster for the right. for, for the Republicans, uh, but I I'm not sure that the again that the um, the the right wing caucus that caused McCarthy trouble won't try and cause trouble here as well. Was McCarthy well as long as they as long as they eliminate that that one member ability to stand up and take the house down. You know I never did understand. I guess I under. Bob, I know that you always had a desire for power, not in a bad way, but you wanted to, to, to be a, a you know an important person. You want to be able to wield power. I think you always wanted well, to. Well, they, they wanted me to be speaker, and that's why we had to meet Jack Abramoff to neutralize Tom DeLay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the rest is history. Right. Um, but I, I, the point I want to get to is, does the, does, the, does the thirst for power, I'm talking about McCarthy here, does the thirst for power make you so stupid that you turn over your control of your speakership to a handful of folks? Because that's what he did yeah. when he agreed to the motion to vacate and, and all of those yeah. things. He basically said, well, I want to be speaker, but I'll let you run me. I'll be the uh -huh. puppet, and you'll be the puppet master. Well, look, when I took chairmanship of the House Administration Committee, which was the speaker's appointment, he only appoints three committees, his lawyer sat down with me. I'll never forget it. And he said, "We, need, you know, you, you got to do this and you can't do that. And I said, you know what? If you, if you want me to live under all those conditions, I'm, I'm the wrong guy for the job. And then he said, you know, what will you do if you don't get it? And I said, probably disrupt you. But <laughs> I said, I, I, I can't give it all. It can't be a doormat. But I did. I told Ted Vandermeer, I said, you got the wrong guy. I mean, he, he wanted me to commit to never support labor, you know, and all these stupid things. And I said, you're not going to prejudge me. And, and that's the mistake McCarthy made. He wanted it so bad, so bad, he was willing to give away everything. And, and I, I know because you know, you're sitting here. I wanted to be chairman of House administration really bad. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden at the last minute, the speaker's lawyer is like, well, you've got to do this and we can't do that in the House and you got to go. you got to disrupt the Democrats. No, we don't. The committee serves everybody. So, you know, I thought, OK, maybe I cost myself the committee. Maybe I didn't. I got the committee. And I think Jordan could have said, no, I'm not doing that. No, McCarthy. no I'm not going to do that. I mean, uh, McCarthy could have yeah. said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I think probably now he wishes he hadn't. I get the sense, and it's just a sense from reading things. I think it was a little, I don't know if humility is the right word, embarrassing maybe to have to preside over a vote to kick yourself out. Um, yeah. But I honestly, I have a feeling probably now he's going like, man, am I glad that monkey's off my back. Right. I mean, look, you know, Boehner saw the writing on the wall and, you know, hopped out. Ryan, who's a really smart guy, I always liked Ryan since he came in. He became speaker, and before anything started, he said, okay, I spent my two years, bye-bye. I'm going to move on to some other things. Um, with McCarthy, he, I mean, he didn't want to end up this way, the first speaker, you know, in American history. But I think he had to have known he was on the, the slide down. I, I've got to imagine, and he's going to run again, i got to imagine he, he has to be, he and his family, somewhat relieved. 
I would think so, too. He, it's he something i got to move on, Bob, but something just struck me. Yeah. I'm listening to what you said, and you said you wanted to be Speaker of the House, you know, at one point, and you were considered mm-hmm. for Speaker of the House back when you were in Congress. And mm-hmm. uh, You don't mm-hmm. have to be in Congress to be Speaker of the House. Maybe we should put your name up. Could somebody, can I call somebody and get them to put your name up for Speaker now? Well, I might be able to beat a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Marjorie Taylor. I think I could beat her, maybe. Yeah, I, maybe. I see. I, Speaker Nay. I'd like that in. I'd like to have the in with Speaker Nay. We could get him on the show yeah, more often. But yeah, then I, yeah, I couldn't travel. And, you know, yeah. I, I still got to do the route, route 66, finish that, you know, <laughs> okay. stuff like that. All right. All right. Hey, I appreciate your time. Sorry to keep you so long today, but Thanks. there was so much going no, on. I thought I needed no to talk about it. No problem at all. Absolutely. Anytime. We'll Absolutely. talk to you soon. Thanks, sir. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Former Congressman Bob Nay this morning here on the. What do you think, pal? Speaker, Speaker Nay? And I could see more uh, trips for you and I to uh, the the nation's capital. (laughs) Absolutely, for sure. You know, I sat in the speaker's office one time because of Bob. Now, he wasn't speaker, but he took me into the speaker's office. That is a nice office. Stood on the speaker's balcony, looked out over the Capitol. Be nice if he was speaker. We could go down and sit there on that speaker's balcony. Order in some ham sandwiches or something. huh? Oh, man, that'd be good. And you don't have to be you don't have to be a member of Congress to be speaker. So, and you wouldn't have to change the rules like they have to for Trump. So, uh, oh, wait, because Bob does have a conviction. Oops. Oh, uh-oh. maybe that'll stick in the way. Six before the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. If you're looking for an affordable hotel with comfortable accommodations and a friendly staff, make sure to book your stay at Sleep In and Suites in Moundsville. It's a non-smoking hotel with an experience that is comfortable and soothing. With no shortage of comfy, floppy pillows on a cozy bed, you're sure to have a great night's sleep. They also offer complimentary breakfast, free Wi-Fi. They have tons of amenities, and they're located in the heart of Moundsville. Book a room now at sleepinmoundsville.com. Saving money in your next painting project with 11% off everything at Menards. Keep your home looking clean and beautiful with DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer from Dutch Boy with a washable and stain-resistant finish. Transforming your home has never been easier. Pick up a gallon of DuraClean Interior Paint starting at $22.95 after 11% off. Good through October 15th. Savings are a mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. The Wheeling Nailers Big Six Game Plan. It's a great deal for your entertainment dollars. Starting at just $16 per ticket, the Big Six Game Plan lets you lock in the biggest games and best promotions all season, like opening night with Chainsaw Juggler, Mad Chad, Wizards and Wands, Penguins Night, and more. The best promotions, the best seats, and the best price. The Big Six Game Plan. Get tickets at wheelingnailers.com or call 304-234-GOLD. With the weather changing, now's a great time to head on into your local Toyota dealer, where legendary performance and reliability go hand in hand. Check out a sporty Camry with available all-wheel drive and Toyota Safety Sense, or the spacious RAV4, turning heads with amazing fuel efficiency. And now, explore Toyota like never before, with hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and full electric options. Visit buyatoyota.com today. Offers end October 31st. Toyota, let's go places. He has his say. You can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine.
one called a manic Monday. It was a busy Monday here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Brad McLenny and I were kicking around the uh, Governor Justice story. Uh, the uh, the U.S. Marshal Service have been told to go and seize one of the uh, governor's company's helicopters in Virginia uh, by force if necessary is the order that was given. Governor Justice uh, over the weekend said, well, I, I got so many other debts. My, my debts are so big that I, I, other people ought to get the chopper before those guys do. Uh, what a what a strange explanation, you know. And, well, I got so many other debts that they're not the right ones to possess my helicopter. So we'll talk about that. I got a text earlier, uh, Bob, and I don't believe this is still true, and I'll tell you why. Um, and I get this every time we talk about the governor. Jim Justice donates his salary, which I think in the beginning he started to do. But in all seriousness, the only income he and his wife have is his salary and her no, I don't even think she has a salary. His salary from the governorship and his salary from coaching basketball. Yeah, and that's another thing. Okay. And, and I remember hearing and I thought, well, okay, this is a very wealthy man who's telling everybody that's nice, but I really don't need it. You can use it for something else. And then the story started. And now, I'm, hell, he needs that money, Denny Howard. And he, ne- sure. I've never heard, well, the governor's accepting his uh, pay now. I, I've never heard that. I, I tried to do a quick Google search on this, and I, I don't want to dispute. Well, maybe maybe he's not. <laughs> maybe things are really tough around the house. I, I don't think he I, – I, I think he did early on when he first was elected governor said, well, I got so much money, you know, I'm a billionaire after all, that uh, I'm going to donate my salary back. And I think that's great, and I think he could, and more power to him. I can't imagine he still is doing that. I'm not being funny. I think he needs the money. He needs the money. By the way, if he is sending it back, he's going to have to send less back because there's still that wage garnishment order out there. Yeah, they might have something to say about that. Send it to us is <laughs> what you? they're saying. And then break air. He said, wait hold a minute. On, hold on. You, you got money you're, you're throwing away? Uh, excuse me. Uh, you owe me up to $10 million, uh, my good friend, Mr. Governor. And uh, it would be nice if I could collect someday. So, I don't know. What what a mess. What a mess. Tell you what else is a mess, I guess, is this whole deer hunt and charge and countercharge over the weekend. We're going to talk about what Ogilvy had to say, then an amended petition for that lawsuit. They brought up some, well, quite frankly, some, some if, the, if, if the, the amendment to the lawsuit is true, it makes me rethink a little bit about uh, how I feel about this. So we'll talk about all of that coming up in the next hour of the show. I need to get your calls and your texts in here, too. Don't forget to use the Frio Stack Ox Service hotline or text line. It's 9 o'clock, and ABC covers the world. FM 98.1, AM 1600, WKKX Wheeling, FM 97.7, AM 1370, WVLY Moundsville.